Hello, hello. Good morning. Welcome to the 10 o'clock class. Oh, that's loud to me. Anyway, it's going to be a glorious day and bear with me if I'm nervous. <laughs> but it's good to see everybody this morning. Glad all of y'all are here. I'm going to jump right in and I hope I should be good. Okay, thank you. But this morning our class is on healing is in the atonement and we're in the Andrew Womack series. But um, let's just open up in prayer first. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord, that you've blessed us with. We thank you for your love and grace that you're pouring out. Father, open our eyes and our hearts to grow deeper into understanding of you. We just give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> now you're making me even more nervous. The pastor sits right in front of you. I'd be all right if you sit to the side. <laughs> but uh, like I said, this is healing in the atonement is in the atonement. And so I'm going to just read straight from his lesson because this is how simple it is to be a disciple, to teach people, discipleship people. Jesus has already purchased healing for us. In Mark 2 and Luke 5, Jesus was teaching in a house so crowded that a paralyzed man was let down through the roof by friends and Jesus miraculously healed him. And in Matthew 8, 14 through 16, after Jesus had been healing people, the Bible says, and when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Then verse 17 gives the reason for this happening, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities, and bear our sicknesses. In, the inst in this instant, Jesus was healing many people, and it specifically refers back to a qu and quotes from Isaiah 53, 3-5. He is despised and rejected of men. This is a prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ, a man of sowers and acquainted with grief, and he hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and was esteemed him not, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows <clears throat> yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of God and af afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed these are powerful passages of scripture some people take them and say wait a minute this is talking in a spiritual sense the church I was brought up in didn't believe in physical healing for the body they would take a scripture like this and spiritualize it Use it to say we were wounded emotionally and we commit our lives to the Lord. And when we commit our lives to the Lord, he heals us. But if we put this passage together with the passages we started with, it forever ends that application of these scriptures. It's true that Jesus will heal you emotionally and in other ways, but those scriptures are talking about physical healing for the body. You can see that because of in Matthew eight seventeen, it says that these healings, that took place were the fulfillment of the prophecy spoken by Isaiah. We just read, with his stripes we are healed. It says that this was the fulfillment that he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. This is talking about physical sicknesses, hurts, and pains. Jesus healed people physically to fulfill the scripture that, he, that says we are healed by his stripes. The Bible goes on to say in 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins, in his own body, 
on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. This is in the past tense. Jesus came, and part of what he came to do was heal our physical bodies. I'm not diminishing the fact that he also came to forgive our sins. That's important. And forgiveness of sins is like the doorway, the entrance to everything else. But he didn't come only to forgive our sins. He also came to heal our bodies. In Greek, the word used for salvation is the New Testament. In the New Testament is sozo, an all-encompassing word that applies to many different things. But if we look it up, it's also translated healed. James 5.14 states, Is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and pray of faith. And prayer of faith shall save the sick. The word saved there is the Greek word sozo and it is talking about the sick being physically healed in their bodies. The same word that was translated forgiveness of sins Hundreds of times in the New Testament was also translated heal. When Jesus sent his disciples out in Matthew 10, the command he gave them was to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, and preach the gospel. In the same breath he told them to preach the gospel, he told them to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and cast out devils. Healing is just as much a part of what Jesus came to accomplish in your life as forgiveness of sins. In the same way, you would never think that the Lord would want you to commit a sin to teach you that you could learn something through your sin. He would never want you to live in sickness. God is not the author of sickness in your life. Sometimes people say things like, well, this sickness is really a blessing from God because it turned me to him. It's true that in crisis situations, people turn to God. But it doesn't seem sense that he doesn't send sickness to teach you he wouldn't do that any more than he would put sin on you. Can you learn something if you go to live in sin? If you live a life, in, live a life of adultery or homosexuality and get some disease, can you learn that the lifestyle was wrong? Certainly you can. But God didn't cause you to live that lifestyle. He didn't put sin in your life, yet you can learn from sinning. You can beat your head against the wall and learn that it's not the thing to do. But you could also learn that without physically beating your head against the, law, against the wall, you don't have to learn everything by hard knocks. That's right. God does not put sickness in your life to humble you and teach you something. Jesus died to forgive you of your sins and also to heal you of your diseases. He bore your sins in his own body, and by his stripes you were healed. God's supernatural divine healing is available to all of us and is part of the atonement that Jesus died to produce. If you aren't receiving your healing, God's not upset with you. You don't have to be healed to love God. Right. You can love God with your whole heart, not believe in healing, and still go to heaven. As a matter of fact, you'll probably get there quicker because you don't know how to, get to walk <laughs> in hell. But you know what? It's available to you. Jesus died to produce it. God wants you to be well. And that's so many, tr so many times true. I, you think and read the scripture. Well, by his stripes you were healed. Yeah. 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross, it's finished. Now and forevermore, we got to just learn to walk in it and receive it. And we was blessed to go to see Andrew Womack this week. And I went three different times. And it's all about your unbelief in what he's already done for you. And 
we've got to open our minds and our hearts to receive it. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. And it just amazes me because like he was talking about and praying over people and healing them there. It's up to them to walk it out and say, okay, yeah, it's done, it's finished. It's over with. I don't have to have it, you know, what the devil's attacking you with. But we've got a few discipleship questions. I'm not going to make anybody read. I guess I'll keep reading. <laughs> I know Nicole's got the scriptures for me. Um, we're going to read Matthew 8, 16-17. And it says, When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick. And it says, How many people did Jesus heal? All. And then, yeah, all that came to him. And the second question we got, read Isaiah 53, 3 through 5. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. What type of healing are those verses talking about? Past tense sins. And it says all types of healing, including physical. And then we've got uh, read Matthew eight seventeen. So go back one. That is my, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. What happened to our sicknesses and infirmities? He bore them. That's right. And then First Peter two twenty four. Who his own self bare sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. What two things does this verse say Jesus did for us? Yep, bore our sins in his body and took stripes for our healing. And I mean, I know, I don't know if, how many people have seen Passion of Christ, but that's that one scene of him, that's about as realistic as I've ever seen anything. And it just, I about have to close my eyes, it cringes. Just to know that he took something, there's no way I physically or anybody else I know in this earth could handle that. Yeah. And then how you wonder, you won't receive his healing after you know he'd done that for you. And then we're going to uh, read James 5, 14 and 15. If any, sickness among you, any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he had committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. And the word saved in verse 15 is the Greek word sozo, which is translated to deliver, protect, heal, preserve, be whole. It is the same word the Bible refers to as salvation. According to these verses and the Greek definition for salvation, what is included in salvation? That's right, healing. Yeah. Uh, Matthew ten seven, And as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
when Jesus sent out his disciples, what did he tell them to say? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here, that's right. And Matthew 10, 8, heal the sick, <coughs> cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely ye have received, freely give. What did Jesus tell them to do? Exactly. That is awesome. And then Mark 16, 16, 15, yeah. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What did Jesus tell his disciples to do? To go into all the nations and preach the gospel to everyone. And Mark 16, 16. He that believed and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Those that respond to the gospel will do what? Believe and be baptized. Uh, Mark sixteen seventeen, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. What signs will follow the believer? That's right. They will cast out demons and speak with tongues. And now we've learned here there's power in that because the devil can't come back. A heavenly language that he don't understand. And the spirit will pray out what, what needs to be spoken. Uh, Mark sixteen eighteen. They shall take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover what other signs will follow believers that's right laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover and that's another thing that I know Andrew was talking about over there about healing is you can pray it but they have to receive it in their faith your faith don't heal them, although you're being led by the Spirit to let it flow through you, and the power can flow to them, but they still have to receive it. <laughs> Any questions? Hope that good, good, good. Sure. Come on up. Don't be bashful. If the word sozo or if the word saved means healed, what does the word specifically damned mean? Is it an opposite or is it? Hmm. Did you? That's a real good question. <coughs> I'll pass that to my shepherd. <laughs> well, the, um, in Romans 8.1, it says, There's now therefore no condemnation, which is the damnation that you're talking about. And uh, so let's just look. The Greek here says katakrima, and it's an adverse sentence. 
or a, I would say like a judgment past. Um, let me look at a little bit more of the definition. Just I'm going to read it directly to you. A damnatory sentence, condemnation. So, um, Could you equate that with the wages of sin being death? Yeah, the wages of sin is death. And also under the curse, um, it, it's a part of the curse. That damnation is a part of the curse. But in Galatians 3, it says that we were redeemed from the curse. Well, that means if we're redeemed, it goes back and basically says that never happened. That's what redemption means is that we are set to, we are set back to just like it never happened. And uh, in other words, so there is no curse left. And that's what that verse is saying. There's no, uh, I heard recently somebody say that word there in Romans 8, 1, condemnation is confirmation of damnation. There's no more confirmation that you are under the damned anymore. Matter of fact, um, 2 Corinthians uh, 5, uh, will you go there just 2 Corinthians five seventeen, and we'll go through through that list. Let me set that right yeah. there. So it says, and let's put it up in the New American Standard, if you would. So it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new cre creature. Now, that means a completely new creation. He is not the same person anymore. He's not even the same makeup anymore. Uh, so we went from being a corrupted person to a completely new, not corrupted person. Now, it's talking here about your spirit, man. Your flesh still has corruption in it. Uh, that's what it talks about. So, uh, but and that's where a lot of people, we did a series on uh, the three-part man, which is spirit, soul, and body. Most people don't understand that the real you, the real person, is a spirit. Most people believe that the real person is the one they see in the mirror. This is why a lot of times healing doesn't work. is because they're paying more attention to the person in the mirror than they are the spirit man that they were made in the image of God. And so they don't pay attention to spiritual truth. They pay attention to physical truth over spiritual truth. And that's a lot of times how the devil deceives people into keeping sickness and keeping disease is because he'll get them looking at their flesh and looking at the symptoms over the truth, what God says, by his stripes we are healed. And so what they'll do is they'll pay more attention. And, and even after they come up to get prayer, they'll get prayer and they'll go, hmm, does that still hurt? Mm, I, oh, I must not have gotten healed. And what are they actually doing? They're going, they're looking to see if their body tells them that they're healed instead of the word of God. And so what they're doing is they're taking the testimony of their body over the word, over the truth. And that's why they'll you know, actually have power of God released into them. God did heal them, but they took the testimony of their body over their spiritual truth. And then all of a sudden, they, what happens is, I guess if you could see it in the spirit, what would happen is, like let's say that Sherman was uh, needing something prayed for, then I would pray. The, when it, what does the word say when we pray and believe? It's done. Yeah, they will recover. They, I mean, it's a pretty stout promise, right? They will recover. So spiritually speaking, that anointing is released right then, no matter if they feel it or not, right? And then instantly healing is on its way to that body if it's not there instantly. And then the devil will say, try to in, you know, kind of uh, engage that... Um, 
sickness or throw those symptoms on them to try and, and uh, deceive them out of what just happened. And then when that happens and they go, oh, well, I must not, I must not uh, have gotten healing, it's, here's what they do. By their own authority, they basically block that healing. Um, a lot of times people don't understand that a shield of faith, uh, you have a shield of faith whether it's based on God or not. Um, you have a shield, uh, let me call it like this and this will help. You have a shield of belief. And it will even repel the promises of God. If you believe that God has not healed you, then it'll be very hard for you to receive healing. Now, it has no power to back it because faith worketh by love. So your shield of faith works by love. So that you have no power really to back that, but you do have authority. And so if you believe that, you can actually hold back. And that's what a lot of Christians have done all their life because they don't, they don't know these pieces in the word. And they have actually repealed uh, uh, or rebuked the blessings and promises of God. And so then they don't walk in them, and then they make up a doctrine that's based off of their experience and say, well, God's not doing that today. But he is doing that today. You know, he is doing these things. Uh, Acts 10.38, I believe it is, uh, says that, I never did read those verses, did I? Um, Acts 10.38 says this, it says that uh, how Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, was anointed you know how Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. He healed them all. He healed them all. One second. And let's go back to 2 Corinthians 5. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. So in other words, the spirit man is completely new, completely new creation. Old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Verse 18. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation means that we are brought up on par with God. Okay, We are made like this way. We are made right with him. You know, where we were wrong with him, he made us right with him. He took care of the wrongness. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself. In other words, made us right to himself through Jesus, through Christ, and gave us the ministry of being made right. Verse 19. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling or making the world right to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation or the word or the ministry or the good news that God has made the world right. So we're not just talking about Christians here. We're talking about the whole world through Christ was made right with God. In other words, they were put into a position to receive everything good of him. So, and then we carry on a couple more. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of God to be made right to God. And then verse 21 is, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So a lot of times what's happening is in the spirit, uh, we are 
we have a lot of things that are already done. Matter of fact, not just a lot of things. We have all things done. He says he's blessed us. Ephesians 1.3 says he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Well, when you understand that the spiritual blessings are the root of your physical blessings. When he blessed us spiritually, that handled everything physically. We are called to not look and not walk by sight or what our body tells us or what anything else tells us, but to walk by faith. In other words, we see the word of God and we trust that over all, over all. And when we start walking like that, then we start to see uh, his fruit manifesting in our lives. So, do you have... Yeah, I'm kind of going to be my own example. Um, so I know that I'll never be 100% exactly where I'm going to be because I can keep growing in Christ and all things of God. And um, in just over the span of a year and a half, I finally got a hold of healing. And then so I know healing is legit because yeah. I no longer have back issue. I don't have high blood pressure. Josephine and I don't have allergies anymore. Just a whole span of things that God has done. I got a new knee just by the word turned on. God made it new. So I know that it's there for me. And with this, um, I had asked a question earlier this week. I was like, Pastor prayed for me, and I believe it for myself. Why is it not happening? What am I not doing? Is there something I should have been doing? Or what? And for um, leading up to this, Josephine had a cough. For a couple of weeks. And then I was like, Lord, what is that? He said, it's going to go away. So, and it did. It went away. And I believed it for my child. And, uh, and then now the cough comes on me. And I noticed it was different. And after you prayed, then um, this stopping cough that made me just, I couldn't even, I couldn't do anything but cough. And um, so was that the devil trying to throw more out there and then I missed it and I believe the devil that time because I went to the doctor the next day when I just couldn't take that night and then sitting here I thought about how when Jim Hockaday said he was bowled over he did not go to the hospital he just suffered through so is that exactly what happened and next time I just need to suffer through no matter what happens does that make sense what I'm trying yeah. to say that's a good question so I'm going to ask you a question oh <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what did Jesus say when they prayed and didn't see results? What did he ask them? He said time and time again, or he made a comment, and then, but a lot of times he asked them, where's your faith? He says, oh, you have little faith, right? Uh, will, will you put up uh, James chapter 1 and... See, now there's a lot of people that would say, how can you say, how do you have little faith? You know, and actually, Andrew was going over that exactly, talking about unbelief. See, a lot of people think, and what he was saying was, you can have faith, but also unbelief at the same time. You know, and people don't get that. They don't understand the difference between the two. And he gave an example of how he had just seen somebody raised from the dead. And then he was preaching in a meeting, and there was somebody over there that was in a wheelchair. He's like, man, I just saw somebody raised from the dead. They are getting up out of that wheelchair. They're coming up. And so he was preaching. He said, I, I, he said, I was so ready to pull them up out of the chair. I, I wasn't even hardly thinking about the message. I just couldn't wait to get over there. 
there to that person in the wheelchair. He said, now I ran over there, I grabbed them, I jerked them up out of the wheelchair, and, and they uh, stood up like this and went boom and hit the floor, right? And he said, and everybody gasped, <gasps> you know, and they were all like, oh my gosh. He says, and he was talking about sympathy. He said, sympathy is not a good thing. He said, compassion is a good thing. Sympathy is, is having more uh, feelings about that person hitting the floor than you have compassion on them to see them healed. He said, I got embarrassed. And he said, you can't tell me I didn't have faith. He said, when's the last time you jerked somebody out of a wheelchair? <laughs> right? He said, I knew it was going to happen. He said, but when they hit the floor, uh, that natural unbelief right there raised up. He said, now, and here's what happened. He said, hey, I helped the guy get back up and get in his chair. And he said, I, it messed me up. He said, I had to deal with that, you know. He said, Smith Wigglesworth had a very similar situation, but he did not have unbelief. He said, this lady had this big tumor on here and she was so weak and um, and they brought her up on stage and a lot of times he would heal somebody right from the beginning and as soon as they as soon as they got healed well it was a different crowd you know so he he brought he brought this lady up and these two ladies were helping him and the lady came up on stage and he said let her go you know now I'm I'm repeating this story so if there's a fact that I miss I'm giving it to the best of my memory he said, let her go. And the ladies were like, she can't stand. She's too weak, right? She's too weak. And they, he said, I said, let her go. Yeah. And he let, they let her go. And she went right on the tumor, right on her face. He said, and, and the crowd gasped, you know. He said, now he was facing the exact same situation. He said, but he had trained himself to not be moved by that kind of sympathy and not be moved. He said, when I saw the crowd gasp, I took in unbelief that came naturally as a result of that. He did not. He said, pick her up. And then he said, let her go. And they, and they were like, we can't, she just fell, she can't stand. See, people, a lot of times they have more concern over somebody's feelings than they do the compassion to see them set free. All right, so this is an important point. This is very important. They said, he said, let her go. Let her go again. Well, you're thinking, man, he, he battled through that one storm, you know, so certainly it's going to work this time. Nope. <laughs> right, on the, right on the tumor, right on her face again, right? So weak she couldn't do anything. So then he said, pick her up. I know, this is boldness, I'm telling you, because I can tell you from a minister's perspective, you know, this is not something where your flesh is just like, yes, hallelujah, it's going to happen, and I knew the whole time. No, in that moment, the devil's going to come to you, and he's going to tell you how awful, and, and then he said, pick her up. He said, let her go. Well, now the crowd actually, uh, he said that somebody shouted from the crowd, stop messing with her, you beast, right? But he knew what he was doing. And he was not in unbelief. He would not allow unbelief to mess with him. Let her go. Stop, you be. I said, let her go. Right? 
Now, you don't do this stuff without knowing it because, you know, it just, all right. So, again, right on the tumor, right on her face. But when she stood up, the tumor went boom and fell off, completely fell off. So, you can have faith in a moment where you, where you stand, but then you have unbelief. And he was talking about unbelief comes by either ignorance, you just don't know better, you don't know the Word of God, or by learned, you've been taught unbelief, or it's a natural unbelief, like when you see that, you know, when, when all of a sudden you pray and then the cough doesn't go away. And what we have to battle, he constantly, and then you have this side that says, this religious side that says, well, I'd never tell somebody that they have unbelief. Well, then you're not being like Jesus. Because that was Jesus' response more than a couple of times. And so the question is, if I have more compassion to bring people to the reality of freedom, then we're going to talk reality. We're going to talk the truth and not politically correct stuff. And that means no matter where your uh, faith is at the moment, we can still get into unbelief. We can get to the point where unbelief belittles our faith. In James it says this, um, and it talks about, you know, in um, Mark 11, it says that if you believe in your heart, and, or if you say with your mouth, confess with your mouth, and do not doubt with your heart, in your heart. It shows faith and doubt. And here uh, in James uh, 1, it says, but he must ask in faith without any doubting. So you see two different things going on. One is faith, one is doubt. So have, and then if you keep that up there, it says, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And then verse 7 says this, um, for that man ought not to expect any, that he will receive anything from the Lord. So you see, is there a verse in New American? There you go. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So if being a double-minded means on one side of his mind he had faith, and on the other side of his mind he had doubt or unbelief. So you can have both in one situation, but that person is going to be unstable in every way. And so what we are working to do as Christians and we are uh, moving towards is, Lord, I have faith and I, let me grow my faith. But see, you've been given the measure of faith, the measure of faith. That's what made you stand up and pray for it in the first. But we also have that doubt, and that doubt is the renewing of the mind that we have to work on and put away, and the more that we are in the Word, the more that we confess that kind of stuff, it will come up and we will push doubt away to the point where now in that situation, in healing or in prosperity, we are not double-minded anymore. So does that help answer your question? Conviction is something I'm going to be ministering on before too long, and it deals with what you said because I've been dealing with it too. And conviction is very important. That's what uh, Jim was talking about, Jim Hockaday. Uh, conviction is huge. When you think about this, like in the boat, right, when Peter walked on the water, he had full conviction to step out on the water. That was conviction, right? That's, I mean, think about that. You, and a lot of people, that's what they're missing. They don't have the conviction to stand. 
They don't have conviction. They want to believe that they do, and they may have faith going, but they don't have conviction to stand, and that will push away their faith. But what people don't realize is the moment that you pray and believe, right, and that you push out doubt and keep out doubt, that thing's coming. That's what a lot of people, they don't put together faith and patience. So, but it's coming. It's coming. It's on the way right then. So, amen. Does that help you? Amen. Any other questions? We're past time. Amen. It's going to be a good service. This goes right along. Thank you, brother. That was good. And uh, this goes right along with today's message. So it's going to be awesome. We're going to be talking about freedom. So join us and uh, have a good one. Lord, we just thank you for your healing. We thank you for your touch, Lord. We thank you for your, your anointing that sets the captives free. And we just praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.